Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone, so listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hey everybody, we made it. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nikki. And welcome back to Black True Crime. So today we're doing things a little bit differently, okay? I'm going to be your main host today, yes me. And then Miss Nikki over here is going to be the guest host. Mm-hmm. I'm guest hosting. Okay, y'all period. Mom, are you excited? I'm so excited. We're going to miss Kayla, but it's going to be good. But before we continue, you guys, there's a couple of things I want you guys to know about. One, you already know our tour is coming up. Please don't play with us on this tour. Don't Kayla, play with us. Kayla will stop selling tickets at a certain time. I think she said something. I forget, but she's going <laughs> to take notes. Just listen to the past episodes because she will stop selling tickets at a certain time. So please get your tickets. For those of you guys who have already bought your tickets, we are too ecstatic to see y'all and meet y'all. And it's going to be a blast. I am so excited to meet new friends. Period. Yeah. Mom, are you ready? I'm ready, Kristen. Okay, let's get into it. A slew of murders and robberies were left behind the psychologically inept murderer in the Miami-Dade area. What once was a boy who dealt with poverty, abuse, and mental issues grew up to be a violent, sadistic rapist and killer who calls himself the Prince of God. Join us as we discuss the insane killing spree of John Errol Ferguson. What? Yeah, this is going to get sticky. We know Miami Dade area. How do we know Miami? there? family there that's where our family reunion gonna be this year really yes i didn't know that mom mm-hmm. good to know are you going of course i'm not yes you are <laughs> okay back to the gates john ferguson was recorded to have been born on either february 24th 1948 or february 27th 1948 it's so annoying how you find both in your data because what but yes, these are what I got. You know he's double trouble if he got two birthdays. <laughs> yes, mom, period. That means he has two different personalities living in one body. <laughs> okay. Growing up, John was raised in extreme poverty. Mom, do you have any black history segments around 1948 that you would like to share with us? 19 what? <laughs> What's your like? Do you know anything that happened in black history in 1948? Yeah, my mama was probably about one years old since she was born in 1947. Black history in the making, because this queen was born 27 years later. <laughs> Period. <laughs> so your mom was born in 1947 and you were born in 1974. Yes. Yes, I love yes, it. yes. <laughs> okay, grandmama. Rest in peace. Growing up, John was raised in extreme poverty, where at times his household did not have running water or even electricity. 
John lived with his mother and his father. Okay, two-parent household. That's not uncommon, two-parent household back in that day. I mean, it was in my household, but it's not common. (laughs) (laughs) Well, still, I'm here for it, and I'm happy. Well, not that it did him any good. (laughs) At least he had an okay start, whatever. John lived with his mother and his father, who experienced alcohol abuse. Now, I wrote this, so I'm assuming they both experienced alcohol abuse, because what? Up until 13, John had both his mother and his daddy. But then at age 13, his daddy passed away. And for a young boy, I I can't even imagine what that does. Me either. I'm not a young boy. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, get it together. Okay. From then on, John's mom would date men who were abusive to them both. So sad. Could you imagine, Mom, like putting us in that position? No. No, I feel like you would square up with that person and yourself before you put us through that. Definitely that person. I don't know about myself, but that person for sure will be going down. Okay, well, we can. I can deal with that. Okay. John claims that he was repeatedly diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and was placed in mental hospitals. In 1969, when John was 21 years old, he was arrested for robbery. And during that arrest, John stole the deputy's gun child. It was recorded that John was about to shoot the deputy when the deputy pulled out another gun from his boot and shot John four times. Oh, got to be more careful. <laughs> like, dang. First of all, that deputy was severely blessed to say, hmm, I'm going to tote two weapons today. One in the good old boot. John, you got shot four times, my guy. How are you? How are you feeling? Not good. Not good. One of these bullets pierced John Ferguson's head. The head? The head. Mm. He clearly survived, but was said to have never been the same after this gun infliction. Well, the same as in, did he improve or did he get worse? (laughs) Because he was already bad. Good point, Mom. I feel like he probably got worse. Mm. But he was already schizophrenic, so from what he said. And he was already robbing and thieving, so... He diagnosed himself? So you said from what he said. He was well, the, he, John claims that he was repeatedly diagnosed by other people oh, oh, with paranoid okay. schizophrenia and was placed in mental hospitals. So mm-hmm. that's what he claimed, but we're going to keep going with the story to see, is it given or is it not? Okay. So even though he survived, his life trajectory from that point was on a flat, fast slope to hell. I mean, just kidding. I don't have a heaven and hell to put him in, but you know what I mean. Like, he just went downhill from here. Poor John. So this was not the only robbery that John Ferguson was a part of. He was a part of a whole bunch of robberies. And in 1975, which is six years after he was first arrested when he was 21, Ferguson was diagnosed as homicidal and dangerous by court psychiatrists. And even still, he was acquitted of the six robberies and two assault charges on a plea of insanity back then. So, moral of the story is somebody is seeing that something ain't right with Ferguson. And he was acquitted of six robberies and two assault charges on a plea of insanity. Okay. He was acquitted. Meaning Mm -hmm. he was let go and the charges was dropped? Basically, Mom. Uh Because he was insane. Okay. So did that plea get him out of jail? Yeah, it did. Mm. Which is really weird to me because it's like 
you clearly did the crime. So even if you were insane, why were the charges dropped? You did it. Well, if he was insane and he did that much damage, it seemed like they would have took him from the bars to a padded room, but they let him go. Thank you. I'm confused. Okay, read on. Okay. So, one of the psychiatrists said he was dangerous to himself and others, homicidal, and should not be released under any circumstances. So, he was sent to the Florida Mental Hospital. Okay. But then he escaped. He escaped? Slippery John. John the Slippery Mother. And what happened? Okay. So, John, you slippery, slippery, dippery duck. Okay. So he later be good, Johnny. Come on. Johnny is not good. Johnny ain't being good. Johnny escaped from the mental hospital and um and he's crazy. Uh And this is just not a good mix. And he has a history of crime. Mm. Here we go. The next time John Ferguson rears his ugly head, which by the way, mom, let's show you John. Let me see John ugly head. So this is John. Ugly. Oh, and you think he all right? Crazy in the eyes, but um, I'm saying uglier. And that's a fact. Yeah, he's not. He's not unattractive. He definitely could have got somebody, but um, yeah. Yeah, he's giving like a black GI Joe, like a older black John Cena. What is it giving? He's he's giving Looney Tune, but it's inside and not out. <laughs> sometimes I feel like a nut sometimes I don't you know cause he don't look like it <laughs> that, that's a nut you had to crack to see what kind it was but um, on the outside he in his shell was oh it was alright you gotta crack to see what's on the inside mm-hmm. copyright Nikki Ball 2022 <laughs> <laughs> goodbye forever goodbye <laughs> But that's so true. Like, John doesn't, John gives, like, ooh, watch out. But, like, all he had to do was smile to kind of put you at ease a little bit. He reminds me of that character on Who Killed Roger Rabbit. And remember the dude that you took off his mask and his eyes were, like, sunken in and crazy? The one who killed or tried to kill Roger Rabbit? I didn't see that version. Child, watch Roger Rabbit. But anyway, yes, John is not ugly, period. Yeah. Thank you for being honest, Mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ain't going to give my phone number, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So the next time John Ferguson rears his head was on July 27, 1977. The next time John Ferguson rears his head was on July 27, 1977. Or at least that's what I found. And it was said that in May of that year... John may have had something to do with the St. Petersburg crime where an elderly couple was found brutally beaten and shot execution style. Oh my goodness, we know St. Petersburg. Literally. Florida. Mm-hmm. We were like 30 minutes away from St. Pete. Shout out, go USF Bulls, period. Go Bulls. Mm-hmm. What? What he do to them older people? So they, they don't know because he was never charged with this crime, but they were assuming 1977 May... Mm-hmm. that he had something to do with an elderly couple that was found brutally beaten and shot execution style, so right in the head. Oh, Too sad. But what they do know is that on July 27th of that year, in the evening time, John Ferguson was posing as a Florida Power and Light employee. He was on what? Posing as one? Posing as one. 
So he's he's giving calculated. I'm telling you, you got to crack that nut because that nut went in there and he could be an electrician. <laughs> the nut knew he could blend in. Yeah, 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 yeah. The nut wasn't dumb. People no. feel like they equate crazy to stupid. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So this man is posing as a Florida Power and Light employee, probably up on that pole. <laughs> Not the pole. John, get off the pole. <laughs> off the pole, John. He walked up to a Carroll City home and knocked on the door. Wooden answered the door. For whatever reason Ferguson gave her, she proceeded to allow Ferguson to enter the home. Mm, Margaret. Margaret. If this was any time for you to be afraid of a black man, it would have been now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding, Margaret. <laughs> I don't know. Just kidding, okay? But she lets the man into the home. And after, quote unquote, checking several rooms, John drew a gun on Margaret and tied and blindfolded her. What he then went like? he then went to let two additional men into the home to help him look for drugs and money. John. So it's like, John, did you think there was drugs and money in a random home in Florida? An old folks home? I don't know if she was old. Oh, these are not the two elderly. Yeah. Okay, this is a different home. This is a different home. And John was with accomplices. Two. He had a team. Mm. This is giving way too calculated. Okay, come on. So these men were Marvin Francois and Buford White. Let me see if I can find pictures. They got names. Mm-hmm. No one playing. So this, I couldn't find a picture of Buford White. But this is Marvin Francois when he was arrested. Another black man? Mom, this is black to crime. Oh, everybody black? <laughs> <laughs> On this case, yes. Another black man. I look at him and I'm like, okay, he's a regular, degular, you know, black man working at the nine to five trying to get by. His eyes look, his eyes, his eyes are saying something. Mom said, pay attention to the eyes, child. It's mm-hmm. the eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, Margaret Francois, Buford White were let in by our boy Ferguson. And about two hours later, six of Margaret's friends, including the homeowner that actually owned the home, Livingston Stalker, they entered the house and were immediately searched, tied, and blindfolded by the three men. Six of them? Six men. Six? I mean, okay, it wasn't just men. It said six friends. Was were blindfolded and tied by three? Yes. <laughs> Did nobody try to fight? Because at some point, were y'all coming in at one after another and getting searched like this is an assembly line? Because if I was at the back of the line, I would smell something's going on and run. If I was number two, he wouldn't have two people. <laughs> well, no, if it was three of them and six of them, if I was number four, he would only have three. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I can't get that picture. Like it gets to the point where there's six, seven people. Well, at this point, Margaret's tied up. So there's six people that are free in the room. And if they popped out on them, three to six with guns, maybe they were spooked and they were like, oh, this math ain't mathing. But maybe they didn't have guns because I can't see six people waiting in line to get tied up and uh, blindfolded. Well, John definitely had a gun. I don't know about his friends. Well, a gun will definitely make you do things you don't want to. So go ahead. It's it's, it's a fight or flight. And they was like, we're not fighting. So, yeah. Not long. But they waited two hours for these people to come into the house. Calculated, man. This, do, this sounds like a setup. 
Mm-hmm. Not long after, Michael Miller, Margaret Wooden's boyfriend, enters the house as well. Film number eight. Number eight. Yep. And he was also searched, bound, and blindfolded. Michael and Margaret were placed in the bedroom while the other six men, so there were six men. So, yeah, a gun had to be in play. A couple. Mm-hmm. Because somebody should have took a shot and saved the other ones and been like, I'll sacrifice myself, but this ain't going down like that. Right, right, right. So maybe there were several guns. Mm-hmm. Michael and Margaret were placed in the bedroom while the other six men were placed in the living room. So this placement of people in the house made me wonder, what was their metho- methodology for splitting up the group? It makes me wonder, like, why did they split Margaret and Michael and put them in the room, but then kept the other six men outside the room? What was that about? Do they know these people? What What is it giving, Ma? I don't know. I'm stuck on that word you use, methodology. Is that a word? <laughs> I'm trying to make that I know what you're trying to say, but I don't know if it's a word or not. It's but... totally a word, methodology. Okay, methodology. Mm-hmm. Say it twice so you know it's real. I don't know what it's giving. It's giving. I don't know. Ugh, I, I don't need like to know it. more. Okay, let's continue. Mm-hmm. So, how the heck did Margaret and her boyfriend end up in the bedroom while the others were stuck in the living room? At some point, one of Ferguson's accomplices, his mask fell off of his face, revealing his identity. Dummy. Bound and on her knees next to her boyfriend, Margaret Wooten said she heard six shots coming from the other room. Oh, no. Six? Yes. Oh. She then saw a pillow coming towards her, and then she was shot. Oh, no. They tried to use a silencer? Yeah. These dudes, I'm telling you, came in like it's, this is a job that we're getting paid for. Still alive. Margaret was still alive, Mom, after being shot in the head. She witnessed Michael Miller being fatally shot in the head. That was her boyfriend. That was her boyfriend. Margaret didn't see the shooter, though she heard, or though she thought she heard, Ferguson run out of the room. She managed to escape and run to a neighbor's house where they called the police. With a shot in the head? I'm telling you. Go, Margaret. Go, Margaret. If Ferguson can survive a shot in the head, so can Margaret. No, but he was stuck on crazy. Crazy people got some extra stuff going on. It's true. They got resilience that normal people don't. They don't even know they shot. They so crazy, so they keep going. <laughs> That's a fact. I told you he was a real nut. <laughs> you got to crack that nut. Mama said it. Mm-hmm. Copyright. Thank you for 2022. But that is so true because when you hear crazy people having crazy strength, getting stabbed, and they keep going, keep like going. it's like they tap into like the superpowers that we all have, but just we don't ever tap into that. They're in it. Yeah, they got some demonic stuff going on to give them a little bit more strength Period. to go through it. But Margaret was a hero. She must have had the angel power to keep on, going. Margaret. Margaret. Period. We're rooting for you and also rest in peace to everyone that lost their life in that house. Yeah, that was senseless and um, very unwarranted that we know of. Just disgusting. So after she escaped, she ran to a neighbor's house where they called the police. When the police finally arrived, they found six dead bodies. All seven. Mom, hold on. Oh, okay. Because two people survived. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So all were bound with gunshot wounds to the back of the head, execution style. 
Only two victims, Margaret and Johnny Hall, survived. Wow. Johnny Hall was one of the six in the um, living room? Correct, Mama. Johnny Hall was one of the six in the living room. So now you have a witness from the bedroom, and now you have a witness from the living room who were both alive. Great. Mm -hmm. Both testified at the later court date. Brave. And on September 15, 1977, Ferguson... Okay, so at this point, what's done is done. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they knew who to find. I don't know if Ferguson left behind his DNA. I don't know any of that information because what my notes fast forward to is on September 15th, 1977. Wait a minute. Because one of the masks fell off. So maybe Hall saw one. Remember that. Mm -hmm. Which is the whole reason why they shot them dead. Because old boy's mask fell off. So we can assume that, okay, now we got to shoot you. Because mm -hmm, you saw my face. Yep. But they didn't have to shoot Margaret and, and, and old boy because they didn't see anything. They were in the living room. But at that point, they're probably like, okay, let's just seal the deal. Make this a quick and easy job. Kill them all. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Good point, Mom. Mm -hmm. So on September 15, 1977, Ferguson was indicted on six counts of first-degree murder and a slew of other charges. But this would not stop him from committing another horrific crime. What do you mean it won't stop him? They ain't lock his tail up? Mom, he's out. He's out. He's out because he committed another crime a month after. A month after when he was waiting for his trial day? Isn't that the stupidest thing you have ever heard? Wow. How does someone get indicted on six first-degree murders and he's not locked up? And two attempted and he ain't locked up. With a history of robbery and theft and trying to shoot a deputy. Wow. Lover's Lane, here we come. On October 30th, Ferguson approached the car of two teenagers to attempt to rob them. When the two refused to unlock the car door, Ferguson shot through the glass windows, wounding both teenagers. Fortunately, they were able to hurry up and drive away, wounded but still alive. He would later be convicted of attempted murder and robbery regarding this incident. The next day after, he raped a woman. <gasps> the next day? The next day after. Who was the chief of police then that time? This is just the craziest case. And it makes me feel crazy for writing it. Because I'm like, how is the timeline adding up? I've never heard of someone being convicted of six murders and not being locked up until the trial. Six murders, four attempted murders, and a rape in Ferguson. All good. <laughs> He's still out. And I, I meant to say indicted, not convicted. He was still out. Okay, this is insane. Three months later. Three months? Mom, am I here? Am I alive? Because is this a dream? He got nine lives. We're going to call him Johnny the Cat. Johnny the Cat. Johnny the Black Cat. Black ass cat. <laughs> you need to stop. Fine. <laughs> Kayla's going to keep it in. You need to stop that cousin. Oh my God, it's the one. <laughs> Got to be more careful. Come on. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, my mom needs no intoxication. She doesn't need anything to make her more lit. Because if you give it to her, she's going to cut up. <laughs> Johnny the black ass cat. Got nine lives. He done took 20, but he got nine. So come on. 
Mm-hmm. 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 What else happened? Three months later, on Sunday, January 8th, 1978, Brian Glenfelt and Belinda Worley were leaving a Youth for Christ meeting oh. around 9 p.m. that night in Hialeah, Florida. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Me either. Well, I had to because I wrote it, but okay. Mm-hmm. Hialeah. First of all, let me show you Belinda. This I have. She is very pretty. Gorgeous. And that was in 78? Yeah. Mm, I was four years old. She reminds me of like a Swan Lake long neck type of vibe. She's pretty. Her mom and daddy must have been handsome. Mm -hmm. And then this was the one that she was with Brian Glenfeld. Okay. Brian and Belinda. Okay. And they was going from Youthful Christ? Yeah. A Youthful Christ meeting around 9 p.m. Youth of Christ been around for a long time. I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's a big movement for the youth mm. of Christ. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Hialeah was only 22 minutes from Carroll City. So they weren't far from yeah. where they were supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. The two 17-year-olds were headed to an ice cream parlor to meet up with their friends. Unfortunately, they would never make it. By the next morning, two people passing by spotted their bodies in a wooded area. Brian's body was found behind the wheel of a car. He was shot in the chest, arm, and fatally in the head, while Belinda's remains were found several hundred yards away in a densely wooded area. Belinda had only a pair of jeans on, while the rest of her clothes were sprawled out next to her body. She had a bullet wound to the back of the head, and an autopsy revealed later on that she had been raped. But she had nasty, shiny black cat. Yes, let's first say rest in peace, Belinda and Brian, because my God, this is horrible. And then it's like you you are coming from a meeting where, you know, you're pumped up, probably fired up for God. And then you lose your life. I know. Tragic. So tragic. Mm. And they're home. They're chilling. They're in heaven, living their best lives, we hope. Yeah. So, but rest in peace, because yeah. I know this hurt their family, this hurt their friends, this hurt everyone around them. It hurts me. It hurts me too, Mom. And to know that he raped her, like, oh, just sickening. Filthy. Just filthy cat. Mm-hmm. So now he's elevating or escalating, I feel like. Now he's saying, I want to just do whatever, because I got away with six murders. Tell him, he don't like the 12, the 12 days of John killing spree. You know, on the first day of John killing spree, we killed the guard, and then the second, he killed two more people, and then eight, and then, oh, John. He's saying, I don't know how long I'm going to be out before they call me back, and so I'm going to just have fun. His version of fun, which is sadistic and disgusting. Mm. Okay. Rest in peace, Belinda. Yeah, I feel like taking a moment. Let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. No, I just said the moment. Come on. Okay. I'm just on the moment. Well, I really just said it for the commercial that Kayla's going to put in there. (laughs) Okay, everybody. We're back from our moment. Mm. So we were talking about Belinda. So an autopsy revealed that, yes, she had been raped. And later on at that trial, Brian's dad would testify that he saw Belinda wearing two rings, a gold bracelet, and a pair of earrings, and that Brian had some cash in his wallet that previous evening. None of these items were found at the scene except for Brian's empty wallet found in Belinda's ransacked purse. So this could have been a robbery. A a robbery turned horrible. Yes, it did. 
On April 5th, 1978, John Ferguson was finally arrested at his apartment due to a warrant for unlawful flight to avoid persecution. Mm. So wait a minute, hold up. You mean to tell me that y'all really did? Like, we're not crazy. You really did allow him to stay out. And the only reason you called him back was because he had a warrant for flying to avoid persecution. As if he wasn't a flight risk. No, well, actually he wasn't because he stayed out and stayed around the police um, building committing crime. (laughs) They knew exactly where he was at, out committing crimes because he did it before and again and again. Oh, y'all so stupid. Like anybody who commits murder should not be let back on the streets. Not just one, but eight. And what? where the heck is Marvin Francois and Buford White at this point? Are they locked out? Are they on the streets? Oh, was the three? His accomplices. What were their names again? Marvin, Marvin Francois and Buford White. So they, they caught, so they caught him on April 5th, 1978. Arrested at his apartment. Back at his home. They know where he's at. Girl, he got a place of his own. <laughs> Due to a warrant for unlawful flight to avoid persecution. Y'all shouldn't have let him out in the first place. Your fault. Now, at the time, John was under indictment, as we know, charged with an indictment means charged with a serious crime for the Carroll City murders, meaning the six murders that happened. John was read his Miranda rights. He signed a consent to search form. And so did his roommate at the time. So he did have a roommate. Mm -hmm. During the arrest, officers found probable evidence, a 35 Magnum capable of firing 38 caliber bullets like the ones used to murder Belinda and Brian, the first link. Mm-hmm. This gun was registered to Livingston Stalker, one of the victims from the Carroll City murders, the second mm-hmm. link. Mm-hmm. At the time of his arrest, John even confessed to killing the two kids, meaning Brian and Belinda. Wow. He confessed? He confessed. So you mean to tell me y'all let John go after indicting him for killing six people? John had Livingston Stalker's gun. Mm-hmm. So y'all, did y'all check him? Did you frisk him? Did you see what was on him? Because he was able to kill Belinda and Brian with the gun of the person he previously killed and got indicted for. Mm. 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 Slippery Johnny the Cat. This is a hot mess. John, Johnny must have been in some voodoo. Some voodoo? Some voodoo. No, he was crazy. I don't know, Mom, because for him to be this slippery, and he's a black man back in the 1970s, they will shoot you for less. Yeah, that's my question. Who was the police chief during that time that let this happen? Because that would have hung him by now. Hung him by his toes, to be exact. This is six potentially white folks murdered. How did that happen? I don't even know. How did that happen? So I'm just confused, but I digress. We are back at the Carroll City trial on September 5th, 1977. So this is months before Brian and Belinda died. This is months before that couple that he shot, but they were still alive before he went to get them. This is still in 1977. So this Uh is very confusing. So stay with us, you guys. John Ferguson was indicted on six counts of first degree murder. We said this. Two counts of attempted first-degree murder and three counts of armed robbery, all in relation to the Carroll City event. Mm-hmm. Despite this Carroll City rap sheet, Ferguson was not incarcerated at this time. 
He would later be incarcerated for his involvement in the murders of Brian Glenfeld and Belinda Worley. And both cases were tried in the circuit court for the 11th Judicial Circuit of Florida. And they were both presided over by the same judge. Mm. So, Judge, what was you doing? Mm. Because you should have locked him up after the first was six. Was the judge's great-granddaddy? I don't know but who don't that judge was. was. Black judge, probably. But John don't like he got no money to pay nobody anyway. Yeah, but still, why would anybody... Let this nutcracker out. I don't know. I really don't know. And I almost feel like, did y'all even look at his rap sheet to see that he harmed a deputy or was about to harm a deputy? Because even though he was acquitted because he was insane, he did it. But the thing is, didn't that um, escape the Looney Tune house? I mean, mom, he escaped the Looney Tune house. Nobody's looking for him. Nobody's checking for John. This is making me upset. Oh, my goodness. Y'all, please, if you find any more information to help us out, let me know. Because this just doesn't seem real. It seems like a horror movie. A horrible horror movie. Yeah, the dots are not connecting. They're really not. So he ends up getting incarcerated for his involvement in the murders of Brian Glenfeld and Belinda Worley. So the only thing I can think of him not being in jail, even though he was indicted on six counts of murder, is the fact that they didn't have evidence that he had done it. Or the evidence was very, very light, so they couldn't hold him. That's the only thing I can think of. And I'm grasping for straws. Yeah, that's a real grasp because, um, well, what are the other two Negroes that was up? Uh... What, Mom? Good question. So even though John Ferguson was tried alone... His partners in crime, Marvin Francois and Buford White, were not. During the trial, Margaret Wooden, one of the survivors, actually took the stand and testified to hearing six shots coming from the other room and then being shot in the head herself. So then she said, you know, I was still alive and I ended up seeing my boyfriend being shot in the head. Well, on May 25th, 1978, which is now after all of the murders he has now done mm-hmm. brian and belinda trying to kill the other two kids that got away mm-hmm. now this is up to that point ferguson was convicted of all counts of the six murders two attempted and three armed robberies he was convicted of all counts except one armed robbery charge which is good yay finally yeah but what happened to the other four <laughs> the, the two that got away that were bullets in them, and then the two that didn't make it. Well, thank God we're not done yet. Okay. So after an, advisor's, after an advisory sentencing hearing, the jury recommended death. The judge accepted the recommendation and sentenced John to six death sentences, two consecutive 30-year terms of imprisonment for the attempted murders of Margaret Wooden and Johnny Hall, and three life imprisonment sentences for the robberies of three of the victims. Whew, but we're not done. So all at this point, John, you're done. But they continued with trial two, Brian and Belinda. Mm-hmm. So at the Hialeah trial on April 13, 1978, mm-hmm. so just a month after he was convicted of the previous Carroll City murders, John was indicted on two counts of first-degree murder, armed sexual battery, and armed robbery. Mm-hmm. Oh, not done. Unlawful possession of a firearm while engaged in a criminal offense, possession of a firearm by a felon, 
etc. The prosecution also presented the gun found in Ferguson's home as evidence that he was at the scene when Belinda and Brian were killed, period, Mm -hmm. because he used the gun from the Carroll City murders to do it. Right, right, right. Ferguson's lawyers did not dispute this, but mounted another insanity defense. Oh, gosh. Claiming that John Ferguson was a paranoid schizophrenic and experienced over 40 years of mental illness issues and effects. State psychiatrists and medical professionals would support this claim. Which, he was a nutcase, yes. But he shouldn't have been a nutcase on the streets. You can be a nutcase. And you can have paper to bag it up and you all that, but you need to be one in the padded cell. Why didn't they have him in the padded cell? Thank you, Mom. And he was calculated. It was almost like, yeah, I'm a nutcase, whatever, whatever. But these people weren't out to get him. He was out to rob them. And then he went and got a crew. And then got a crew. Mm-hmm. So you might be crazy, but you still know what you're doing. Right, right, right. Because I really feel like the motive of all of this wasn't just to kill. It was to rob. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he ended up killing and doing all this stuff. And the Carroll City murders, what did he do? He robs them. He was looking for drugs and money. Then end up shooting them. Mm-hmm. Brian and Belinda robbed them. The money was missing. Her jewelry was missing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Too much. So six months later from this trial, the jury returned guilty verdicts on all counts of the indictment. The jury recommended death sentences as well by a majority vote, and the judge upheld the recommendation and sentenced John to two death sentences, two life terms, and four 15-year terms of imprisonment for the armed robbery and gun possession. Mm-hmm. So talk about being put away for life. Well, or for yeah. Death. And, 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 and the sentence is justified, but... Let's just count how many lives could have been saved Mm -hmm. if this man had, if they had just chased him when he escaped the mental hospital. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm just thinking about, yeah, that's fine and dandy because he'd have made a monkey out of you. (laughs) Uh, Because Slippery Johnny the cat got away (laughs) and did uh, some horrific things. But now you have to eat crow, judge, the one, the judge that let him away, let him go. Mm-hmm. And all these lives, all this blood is on your hand. Mm-hmm. Because had you sentenced him then, held him until the court date like they supposed to do, them people still would have been alive. Every single one of them, all six of the victims, two of them wouldn't have got shot and deal with the you know trauma of that. The two in the car wouldn't have got shot. Belinda and Brian wouldn't have died. The rape victim. The rape victim. Like, these are lives that y'all could have prevented from going through hurt, trauma, and death. Yeah. But no. I just I, I just cannot for the life of me think of one reason why they would have let him out on the street. I'm telling you it was voodoo. Because let me tell you something. Uh, God ain't on his side, one. Two, ain't nobody that lucky. John knew something that we don't know and it lied within the spirit realm hmm. what did that judge know did he hypnotize him because mm-hmm. he stood before him twice killing folks and, and and he didn't do nothing until the end when like you said they made a monkey out of him so now he has to give oh these. he gotta say it because mm-hmm. them parents are coming for him what what do you mean he was here and you was the same judge on this guy what 
Oh, you finna pay, bro. You were the same judge after him getting indicted? Makes sense. Make it make sense. I would have said, uh-uh. Every single one of our family members need to line up in, a, in one line, single file, and slap that judge in his face. Every single one of us until we're done and he's red in the face, ready to go home. Because at the end of the day, this is a gross, this is just gross. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's sickening. Yeah. It's just, un it's, it's one of those things where you're like, this can never happen again. Yeah. So I watched this show. It mm -hmm. said, I am killer. Mm -hmm. And they are in jail after they kill. <laughs> so they can uh, admit that they are now. But mm -hmm. the system worked. They're in jail telling their story. And all of them said, after they done it once and they done it twice, they said, hmm, I'm getting away with it. So I'm going to keep doing it. So I think that's what John did. He said, I got away with it, so I'm going to keep doing it. Absolutely. And then I'm going to go a little further each time and see what I can get away with. It's just like a kid in the candy store. If he steals and get away with it the first time, he's going to come back and he's going to do it again. Mm -hmm. That's sad, but these are lives. Mm -hmm. So rest in peace to every single one of the victims, alive and unalive. And, and we pray for y'all's families. So mom, John had the nerve to appeal. That man John. wasn't crazy. I take it back. He was a nut, but he ain't crazy. <laughs> Up here, what? A banana? <laughs> he peeled what? Because he ain't no peel nut. He just peeled a banana. Because he shot and slipped on the peel. What? Mom, he appealed. Starting in 1982, his lawyers filed three direct appeals, two motions, Two motions appeal, a petition for writ of habeas corpus, which basically means to release a person unlawfully detained or imprisoned. Unlawfully. A petition for writ of certiorari, not saying that right, which means to request the Supreme Court to order a lower court to send up the record of the case for review. What? And they petition for clemency, which just means to be completely pardoned. I know what clemency means. Okay. <laughs> you show me that. What? <laughs> Mom, so oh, his lawyers were working overtime and for what? Because he's insane? No, 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 no. I, I got a problem with his lawyer. See, there's the problem I have with the judicial system. Tell us. I understand. Well, no, I don't even know if it's a problem, but I just can't comprehend. I know everyone is innocent until proven guilty. But their lawyers go to bat knowing that they done killed and murdered these folks and, and, and did all these heinous things, but that's their job to defend them. And I'm like, how do you do that with a straight conscience? How do you do that with, uh, how? I think every single case that they do where they know the person did wrong, I think it eats away at them every time like it chews away at their soul and then eventually they just become numb to it and it's about them winning cases yep and it's about their ego and, and like about their stats bigger and better uh oh i can get off with this i get you off with murder yep and, and then now the kingpin kingpin mafia head is like oh i want that one because he got the worst of the worst off ego god leave so he appealed all that stuff. And what mm -hmm. happened? Let me tell you what happened. 
So let's go, let's rewind, y'all. Ferguson was convicted and sentenced to eight death sentences and other smaller sentences. So an appeal that he submitted in October 1987 on behalf of him and his mother, Dorothy, which was she was acting as a next friend, they filed a motion for post-conviction relief and they proposed six claims, which basically means they highlighted the trial's counsel's failure to investigate evidence, failure to bring up statutory mitigating factors, which means, hey, but you forgot to say that the, the dude's crazy. You forgot to say that his dad died when he was 13 and that could have affected him and his psyche. You forgot to say that he was a schizophrenic. Stuff like that. So? Oh. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Mama Dorothy, so? It's her son. So she's like, let me do anything that I can. But I'm about to say, if I know my son's a killer and he did it, no matter what he went through, this is his consequence. Well, if it was my son and he did all this, I'm going to say... Lord, you take his life. Don't let them take it, but uh, definitely lock him up because if he did it to them, he coming for us too. I don't want no one near me because I don't know what broke this child. And if it ain't fixed, and I can't fix it. Only you, so lock him up. Put him in padded, you know, place so he won't bump his head and stuff. But hey, you took lives and a lot, a lot of them. And you raped and you pillaged. And you raped and you did all these things. I love you, but yeah, no, nah, I'm scared of you. <laughs> so would you have disowned him? No, I'm not going to disown him. I'm going to love him and I'm going to pray for him and get some holy order and, and, and throw it through the uh, padded window. But I sure don't want him on the street. And I don't want to be an on reach album. He might strangle me. I don't know. I don't know what the ticket ticket thing because, no, no. But that's smart, Mom, because I feel like so many people will be like, well, he'll hurt them or he's hurt other people, but he would never hurt me. Shoot. Are you dumb? I have a V8. That's just like a dog. I don't go with nobody. say, I love him. And, lady, I love you. But dogs got teeth and they got them for a reason and they bite. And that's true. Mom is always like, uh-uh, you don't bite me. Uh-uh, no teeth. We don't play with your teeth. You cute and all. Mm-hmm. Mom's still scared of ladies. A little bit. She got something I ain't got. Which is what? Sharper teeth. <laughs> <laughs> My teeth ain't gonna hurt her because I ain't finna bite, lady. But I ain't finna give her an opportunity to bite me either. And that's on period. And every time. You don't ever underestimate somebody just because you love them. Just because you birthed them. That doesn't mean diddly squat. This is a grown tail man now. Yeah. And you've seen his true colors. But... A mother's heart will do crazy things, especially if she feels guilty. Yeah, but you can feel guilty and and feel for the other person as well. But common, not just common sense, but just a, a healthy heart. You don't want anything to happen to your child. I ain't like saying you read what you sold. That ain't what I'm talking about. But I'm going to say, hey, you're broken. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the power to fix you, evidently. And God hadn't decided to fix you or, or you ain't allowing him to. So until you get fixed, let's put you up somewhere because you're doing too much damage. Let's lock you down. Let's lock you down. Clink, clink. You mm-hmm. know? And the thing is, because those people didn't deserve that. Mm-mm. So they had who, nothing to do with your raggedy son. So who am I as a mother to say... Oh, my baby didn't mean it, and he just grew up without his daddy and all that stuff. So, 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people grew up without their daddy, but they ain't a killing folks. So, so lock them up. Period. Sorry, Mama Darty, I disagree. And I'm a mama, and I'll do anything for mine itself. Die, Jesus did that. But um, yeah, you've been saying that for years now. I mean, I ain't dying for y'all. <laughs> the price was already paid. <laughs> so if anybody is confused or why I say I'm not a ride or die, it's because my own mother is not a ride or die. <laughs> I ain't live long enough to be dying for y'all. No, Jesus did that. Come on. <laughs> I'm mad at you, Bob. I'm really not. Because why are we putting ourselves in positions to die? Right, right, right. Uh-uh, I taught you better. Come on. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, back to the case. Yes. I don't want to get in my feelings right now. <laughs> back to the case. It's all love, Kristen. Okay, so I you know. I know. love you too. Okay, mom. Okay. So nothing came of these appeals, even though they extended his execution date. After 31 years of legal back and forth, John Ferguson's execution date was reset to be August 5th, 2013. That's my sister's birthday. Oh, well. So did he hang? Did they did they, did they get rid of him? Did he hang? Yeah. Bring it to it. Bring it to it. So I just want to just say, um, maybe as a culmination of all the crazy things that happened during this case, these are the main takeaways. His accomplices, Marvin Francois and Buford White, were both executed. They were executed way before he was. What? This is why I'm saying the man had spiritual help because Marvin Francois was executed in 1985. Buford White was executed in 1987. What? Yes, mom. Been gone. And he's still appealing 30 years later. I'm telling you, he wasn't crazy. Something was going on. He he was calculating and it might have been a little genius. Because he knew the key appealing to, to, to save his life. That part. Ferguson's final execution date came 10 months after his original date. So they delayed it by 10 months because of all the appeals. The execu- execution came less than two hours after the U.S. Supreme Court denied his final request for a stay. Ferguson's lawyer criticized the Supreme Court for sentencing a man to death who they believe is incompetent. He has a fixed delusion that he is the prince of God who cannot be killed and will rise up after his execution to fight alongside Jesus and save America from a communist plot. He ha- this is what the lawyer is saying about him. He has no rational understanding of the reason for his execution or the effect of the death penalty or the effect that the death pen- penalty will have upon him. Yeah. He's going to die. So we had him wrong, calling him Johnny the Cat with nine lives. He thought he was Jesus Christ. He thought Johnny, no, he didn't think he was Jesus Christ. He thought he was the prince of God who would fight alongside Jesus Christ to save America from communism. (laughs) What? Communism. It sounds like Trump to me. He sounds like a more demented version of Trump. So this is what the lawyer is saying, criticizing the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter. The man was calculated enough to do eight murders no matter what you can say, he's done it. He needs to be locked up for life or sentenced to death. And if it's God's way of sentencing him to death through the, the, the judge, so be it. it. So, on execution day, Ferguson chose to eat the standard inmate meal. He did not want a fancy meal because, you know, they give them that option as their last meal. He chose to eat a patty with white bread, steamed tomatoes, potato salad, diced carrots, and iced tea. He met with his two attorneys and a spiritual advisor, and this is what he said. 
I just want everyone to know that I am the Prince of God and I will rise again. Then the 65-year-old rustled his feet underneath the white sheet of the gurney, lifted his head and peered intently at the witness window of the death chamber. At 6.01 p.m. Monday, they pumped him with lethal drugs and he died that day. Mm-hmm. Ferguson was at one time responsible for the largest mass slaughter in Miami-Dade history. Wow. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, you still have the crazies who, I guess, believed in Ferguson. Three dozen people were protesting across the street. Did not want, I mean, not wanting him to die. Wow. Yep. So that's our case. Wow. 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 Oh, and I also want to say that Ferguson was one of the state's longest serving death row inmates, serving 35 years on death row. I told you, he ain't crazy smart. He ain't crazy at all. He kept on all them appeals for 31 years. He lived a good life in there. His ego probably was like immensely large that it gave the illusion that he was nutty. But I don't think this man was crazy. Mm -mm. Wow. What a whirlwind of a case. He did a lot. Kayla's going to have a lot of editing to do. A whole lot. (laughs) Well, that's our case, everybody. Um, This was a nut show. If you enjoyed it, please let us know. And also, don't forget, our tour is coming up. Get your tickets, y'all, on our website, blacktruecrime.com, period. We still have merch. Kayla came out with this dope jogging suit set. I love it. I have to have it. Y'all should try it out. Try it out. So with that being said, Mom, you want to end us? I want to say Merry Christmas. (laughs) Is this going to air before Christmas? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of our friends. And we wish you peace, joy, and happiness. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your loved one. But most of all, protect your... Mm -mm. What? Be safe. Oh, most of all, be safe. Protect your peace. Protect your peace. (laughs) Wait a minute, Christmas. Okay. Be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Okay. And most of all, be safe. Be safe. Protect your peace. Protect your peace. And protect your space. And protect your space. So So we don't have to cover your case. Cover your case. Okay. Mom, just don't. (laughs) You did great. You did great. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time. (laughs) 